The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. What's good, 365ers? My name is Britt Daniels, your fit life coach, yogi Ahar entrepreneur, co-host of Black Health 365. On this podcast, it is our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted professionals. We are here to empower the Black community to be healthy all year long. And I'm here joined by my beautiful co-host. I'm sorry, Britt. I'm going to get my life together. <laughs> Jackie Page, uh, <laughs> radio personality, uh, fitness lover, personal trainer, Zumba instructor, nutrition coach. And I'm laughing because you sound like a low-key minister when you were saying that. Like, I felt the the preacher, you was like, champions <laughs> of change. I said, hey. okay, Britt. I'm from Albany, Georgia, deep down south, workplace of Charles. It just come out sometimes. <laughs> I felt it and I loved it. I'm just like giggling inside. I'm like, Jackie, don't start by laughing, but I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. I'm a girl up, just <laughs> not today. Um, you know, we got to do our check-ins. Usually, you know, mm-hmm. you start off asking me how I'm doing, but I'm going to flip the script today and ask you, Britt, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing um, pretty good today. It's been a long day. Uh, I had got back from vacation, and you know, when you get back from vacation, you got a, a you need number a vacation of things. from the vacation. <laughs> that too. You need to, you know, because we on vacation, I feel like I'm just doing stuff the whole time. I don't really actually be just chilling. So I need like a solid horizontal day when I get back. I'm just laying down, but uh, a lot of work to get to. You know, I run three different businesses, so a lot of things to catch up on. I'm trying to set up a lot of events for the for the next couple months. Um, so really busy, but you know, it's like sometimes when I get busy like that, I create momentum and I'm I'm feeling the momentum right now. So I'm just gonna ride this wave as long as I can. Jackie, what's happening with you? I approve that message. I feel kind of the same. Busy. Like one of the things about radio that a lot of people don't know is I mean, the radio's on like 24-7. Uh we, we never go off. Um, but we do have our seasons of like this is the time where there's not a whole bunch going on. And this is the time where it's a lot going on. And we are in that season of, I mean, don't get me wrong. The last few months have been, you know, pretty busy, but we've gotten busier, especially considering that um, things are warming up. So kind of like you're saying, I have just been running around doing so many different things um, and just trying to ride the momentum um, of, of this. Busy, a little tired, but also very um, thankful and blessed that, you know, I am busy, that these opportunities are coming my way. So um, trying to look at the glass half full versus what is it, half empty? Yeah. I love that. It's because it's, so many changes have happened in your life recently. So many changes have happened in my life. So much growth, um, so much opportunity for learning um, through the ups and the downs. And that's kind of the topic for today's Dharma Talk. So 365ers, listeners, we do these things called Dharma Talks, which are essentially 
small sermons. Were you already on the sermon tip? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's set the tone for the conversation. And today's Dharma talk is about change, diving into the discomfort of change. You know, there's a lot of challenges and opportunities in change, and change is an inevitable part of life. And our ability to adapt to change is essential for our well-being and our growth and the people around us. It's important to cultivate a, um, a sense of stability and groundedness in the midst of uncertainty. And so my practices like meditation, yoga, therapy can help us develop a sense of that stability, um, allowing us to approach change with greater ease and um, it's a big word, equanimity. <laughs> um, Hold on, also, wait a minute. Before you go further, you knew I was going to do this. That's why you laughing. What yeah. does that mean? We just had an episode on it, emotional intelligence, uh, a sense of understanding how to regulate your emotions. There we go. You talk about equanimity. <laughs> like, bruh, SAT word. Honey, we st I stopped taking the SAT years ago. Honey, you can break stuff like that down for the people. <laughs> I like to read, um, listen to certain rap songs <laughs> um, Wait, so out. what rap song did you i'm sorry i'm messing up your dharma talk today no, good. <laughs> what rap song did that come from uh kendrick lamar okay carry on <laughs> I, I expect that to come from kendrick carry on. yeah listen yeah you gotta bring out encyclopedia listen kendrick. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but on, no but for real on, on some on some practical tips or embracing change it, it's it's important to show gratitude in the present moment um Seek out support from your community and approach change. I think what you just said, Jackie, earlier was like you're diving into what's going on in your life. Approach change with a spirit of experimentation and curiosity. Uh, and that would allow for um, more resiliency. And, you know, resiliency is something us in the black community, we we deal with a lot. Learning how to know very well and doing very well. Um, and that's actually a little bit of a transition to what we're going to get into now. Speaking of resiliency, this woman. Women's History Month. Women's History Month. All month long. Um, and the entire month, we have been just diving into a gambit of things that have to do with Black women in particular, because, you know, this is the Black Health 365 podcast. So we're going to talk about somebody. We're going to talk about the Black woman. Um, and that's the same thing we're going to do today. Um, dive into a conversation that isn't really talked about, um, but that needs to be talked about. We are talking about the historical significance of, of Black midwives and doulas and their impact on uh, Black women. And, and honestly, probably your life too, because a Black woman gave birth to you. So we're going to have this conversation today. Really excited to talk about this um, because it's something, again, like I said, we don't really talk about a lot. And um, it's something that is grabbing the attention of a lot of people, especially in the Black community. So I'm really excited to have um, the founder of Rebirth Wellness. Um, she is a doula herself, uh, Imani Byers, joining us today. Imani, how are you? Hello, I am doing well and so happy to be here with you all today. We are happy to have you um, and happy to have this conversation, especially during uh, Women's History Month. For sure, for sure. This is definitely a hot topic um, right now. And so I'm super excited to get into it with you all. You know, Jackie, you were mentioning how this is just not a topic we talk about much. And, you know, I was excited to do research into all of this because I have to express some intellectual shame here. I didn't really know what a doula was until very recently. Mm -hmm. Not only that, I didn't know the all the history behind, it. behind it, right? And, you know, doing some research, 
before the, from, from what I know, and, and our guests can correct me if I'm wrong any, with any of this, before the 1930s, women typically gave birth at home surrounded by relatives, female friends, and midwives. These attendants were responsible not only for supporting the mother emotionally, but through the pain of labor, but also preparing necessary tools and supplies. I didn't know about any of these, ensuring general hygiene and medicine. medicine. I didn't know about any of this. Um, and experienced, dualists, experienced midwives were among many enslaved individuals who survived the middle passage and continued mm -hmm. to practice and train the primary source of birth care throughout the country. That's a deep history. That's a powerful history. And I went to school. I went to college. I was even an African-American studies major. And for whatever reason, this never came to my conscious attention. So I'm, I'm very excited for this conversation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You definitely hit on a lot of uh, true, true things. And to be honest with you, the only reason I knew is because I was fortunate to have those birth workers in my family. Uh, so I am a descendant of Black birth workers. My great-grandmother, uh, who I was fortunate to have until I was 19, uh, she was one of the first Black labor and delivery nurses at Charity Hospital down in my hometown of Savannah. Um, she was present for my mom being born in 1958 at home. Uh, and her aunt, which was my great-great-grand-aunt, her name is Emma Weston. She was actually one of the first Black certified midwives in the state of Georgia. So this is uh, deep, is deeply rooted for me, especially being a black woman from the South um, and having Gullah Geechee heritage and culture is deeply ingrained in uh, what I knew birth to be, which was natural at home and unadulterated. And I love that you said that's what you know it to be, because that's what a lot of women knew it to be. And it, it, it's something more recently that has gone away from that. Um, and a lot of women are like, hold on, wait a minute, flag on the play. Um, I'm going to throw For some sure. meat mill in here real quick. Hold on, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, we can go back to what once worked um, and worked really well. So want to take a quick step back for... Um, the 365ers who are listening and they're just like, okay, I kind of know what a midwife is. I kind of know what a doula is. Um, can you give a definition to uh, the term doula um, and midwife? Yeah, so that is a great question because they are distinct practices. So a doula is a professional trained in supporting uh, birthing bodies during uh, labor fertility, postpartum. Uh, they offer physical, emotional, and educational support. So this is going to be your person you're going to come to uh, with your questions. So as I tell my clients, please stay away from Google. You have a doula, right? So you're going to come here for your questions, your childbirth education, and also that emotional support you need as you travail through the labor journey. On the midwifery side, so midwives who are also important and work with doulas, they are the ones who provide that clinical support. So they're going to be supporting not just the mom, but they also are there for the health of the baby once you give birth. So uh, midwives are clinical. They do some emotional stuff and things of that nature as well. But their primary focus is the clinical stuff. How are we going to make sure that we're having a safe birth? You have a um, a lineage of of this. Um, so you, you you were walking into this thing before you even walked into it. If a 365er is listening right now, they're like, I'm interested in um, becoming a, a doula or, you know, this sounds, you know, interested or interesting to me. Um, how does somebody go about becoming a doula? 
Yeah, so there are so many different organizations out there that offer trainings. Uh, some doulas, so there are different paths that you can choose. You can choose to get trained and then go out into the community. And then you can also choose to get trained and certified and then go out into the community and serve. So um, there are no regulations per se. There's not like a regulatory board that governs doulas. Um, however, I always stress the importance of finding a training that aligns with you, um, whether it's energetically, your own personal morale, and then uh, getting clients and going out and doing the work. So usually I tell people, if you're interested in being a doula, that means you've been called to this space. So your next job is to get educated on how to best support families in such a sacred space and then go out and do it. If I'm a mom that is expecting, um, how do I determine if I should, um, if I should get a doula or if I should have a doula, should, if I should have a midwife, um, you know, we are always told doctor, 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 you know, go to the doctor. Um, and not to say that the doctor isn't a great option, it is, um, but everybody doesn't want that option. And kind of like I said before, you know, and and like Britt gave the stats, uh, before the 1930s, um, baby, everybody was doing this at home. So how do you make the decision of, you know, go down the route of a doula and or a midwife um, or go to the hospital? Yeah, that is a great question. So uh, something to be noted is that you can have a midwife either at the hospital or at a home birth. Um, so at a at the hospital, so there's different tiers of midwives. So we have certified nurse midwives. So nurse midwives, they have an advanced degree in nursing practice, so they can practice as a nurse practitioner. So they can offer wellness visits. So that can be your primary care person for uh, your annual pap smears and things of that nature. So CNMs, they work in hospital and home birth settings. They have that ability. Um, then we have CPMs, which are certified professional midwives. Not all states recognize certified professional midwives. Some of it is sometimes it is seen as illegal, so not illegal, but is not recognized. Um, but certified professional midwives, they are only on the home birth scene and they take care of families during that space. And then you have your traditional midwives. So before certifications came about, like you all were mentioning, this is something that um, our ancestors were doing, bringing the babies in. Um, so traditional midwifery, it does involve an apprenticeship where you will work under what would be called a grand midwife. So the term granny midwife, if you came across that in your research, was kind of shunned away because granny just gave old decrepit it wasn't a good um what's the word i'm looking for connotation associated with it like come on uh, Brent. yeah <laughs> i was looking i'm like where you at um but yeah so it didn't have a good connotation associated with it so now it's been turned into the grand midwives um so you would have to do an apprenticeship under them for that um but the main thing for having a home birth um, versus a hospital birth is just identifying risk. Um, high risk does not include you being 40 <laughs> or above 35. That does not immediately mean a risk. It does not immediately mean a risk if you are plus size. Um, what it does mean is if you have tangible evidence that shows, hey, I need to be monitored in a clinical setting. Um, so even for birth centers as well, midwives practice at birth centers too. But um, if you have an issue with high blood pressure, um, if you are having um, issues with like gestational diabetes, 
um, things that cannot be controlled in the home environment that need more clinical support, that would be your push to go see uh, the hospital, do a hospital birth. But still, you can still work with a midwife at the hospital. It doesn't have to be an OBGYN. Um, so I like to make that distinction as well. I want to ask a basic question here, and a part of it sounds ignorant. Are, are in terms of in the world of doulas, are there a lot of white people doing are that are doulas, or is it is it, or more black people, more white? I was about to be like, hell yeah, but yeah, they do for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually been, um, for lack of a better term, infiltrated by. Uh, white women and also there has been some gatekeeping being done by white women in this space now as well it's really been uh an interesting uh dynamic to witness uh as somebody who you know has matriculated through different uh different communities where you know you go to school you're immersed in black excellence and that's all you hear and then i came back down to georgia and went to grad school and i was like holy holy white like it wow. is you know um so yes there are a lot of white doulas that are perpetuating this as their work um, and having, you know, it's it's a lot of discord surrounding that. That's a that's another you could do a whole another segment on that. I had no idea. Yeah. Yes. But there are a lot of black doulas. I would tell you here in Georgia, the community, especially in Atlanta, where I'm based now, um, the community of black doulas is so amazing. It's so beautiful. It's so supportive. It can be. But also it can get a little bit caddy if you will um because people aren't looking for support they're seeing it as competition when really we're all in the same fight and that's saving lives um that's addressing the maternal uh health concerns and the disparities for black women and other women of color but that was a good question i know you said it may have been ignorant but no that's uh, no I, 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 that was a really great question um because like imani said um unfortunately it is, oh, my white. And typically when you hear about doulas, and I'm speaking from a standpoint of, you know, as a Black woman, it usually is, and midwives, to be honest, um, I'm usually I'm usually hearing it from um, a white woman's perspective. Mm -hmm. you actually, you absolutely are. And I'm going to be honest with you, one of the biggest organizations that trains Black women, who my business partner is actually training for, the National Black Doula Association, it's still relatively new. It's about five years old, five to eight years old, somewhere in between there. So to to say that, yes, um, white women have come in and kind of, you know, made it their own, if you will, um, and kind of blotted out our history. But now um, a lot of us, especially us as millennials, who's you no know, millennials, we're, we're pretty vocal when it comes to, hey, um, we're not going for that. So, uh, yeah it's becoming more and more apparent that we're not going to stand for you just taking our stuff and making it your own. There's a lot of cultural things that's been coming up, even from practices that we use in the doula um, world or things that we use to support our clients, whether it's from Black people, whether it's from our Latino brothers and sisters. It's been a lot of things coming up recently um, in, or in efforts to push back against that gatekeeping into a space that was ours from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Speaking on supporting the Black community, Black infant mortality rates, why is it important to support Black doulas? Ooh, yeah, um, to be honest, it's because there is such a huge disparity 
um, in regards to um, not even just infant mortality, it's really the mothers that are dying um, at a disproportionate rate. So uh, Black women are four times more likely to die during or after childbirth than white women. Um, and it's like three, two and three times more likely for Latinos, um, Asian and Pacific Islander women. If you are considered a minority, you are at a higher risk of dying in this country from giving birth, which is the most natural thing the female body can do. Okay. Um, and it shouldn't be that way. And it is irregardless of socioeconomic status. And we saw that as evidenced by Serena Williams with her having to advocate for herself when she knew she was experiencing a blood clot episode after giving birth to her daughter. And she had to force them to give her a heparin drip to save her life. Um, we saw that as well with Beyonce, with her twins and her presented with preeclampsia and having to get emergency support and having to advocate for herself in that space. Um, this is the real deal reason why doulas are here and exist. We're here to educate our clients and empower them about their choices during the birthing process, letting them know that they are the experts on their body. And while we respect doctors, and I say that with the utmost grace, we respect doctors. We also recognize that doctors are doing what they have been trained to do, and that is to go by the book. But everybody's body is different. There is empirical evidence that supports that there is a difference in shape in African-American and Black women's pelvises in comparison to white women. So why are we expecting them to be able to birth in the same way? So that is really the reason why we're here, to advocate, to empower, and to support families and letting them know that they do have choices, they do have options, and they don't have to uh, subject themselves to obstetric violence. Yeah, you talked about some of the uh, support that you give um, before the baby is born. Can you talk a little bit about the support that's given, I guess, during labor and delivery as well as um, after the baby has been born? Yeah, so labor and delivery, it's a lot of physical activity. So usually we join our clients in active labor. Um, I tell my clients all the time, if you call me, that means you must be ready to work because we're going to get to it. So it's a lot of walking, a lot of affirming, a lot of reminding of the space and the uh, stage of labor that they're in. And then it's also a lot of focused intention setting and breath awareness. So that's what we're doing during labor. And also too, if we're noticing something doesn't look right with my client, I'm always paying very close attention to them. For Black women, like I tell them all the time, if I feel like we're having an experience with postpartum hemorrhage or things like that after we've given birth. I'm always looking at us to make sure we don't get ashy because Black people don't get pale. We get ashy. We lose our color. So um, I'm making sure for that. I'm making sure that you're not in any pain at your IV site. And I'm taking notes and taking names and I'm letting people know, hey, this is what my client is experiencing. Can we get some help? X, Y, and Z. So that's what during labor looks like. Then after labor, I do a lot of check-ins. So I am also a perinatal social worker. So I'm a licensed master social worker here in the state of Georgia. So mental health is very, very important to me. So I do a lot of check-ins. I'm going to make sure that we're not showing signs of postpartum depression, anxiety, PTSD, any of those perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I'm going to make sure that we're not presenting with any of those. And if we are, I'm going to get you connected to another um, 
probably black women who can support you through your journey um, with that. We're also going to make sure you don't have issues with breastfeeding. And if you do, we have a connection of IBCLCs or breastfeeding specialists that we can connect you to chiropractic care. Postpartum is really more so about getting uh, you back grounded and centered into your body after baby and then making sure that your body continues to function as a well-oiled machine afterwards. So it's all about referrals, checking in, and then also making sure you feel supported uh, with caring for the baby. And I love that. Go ahead, Britt. I'm sorry, Jackie. Uh, I just think it's beautiful that in your role as as a healer, and supporter that you have, you know, in a referral aspect, you're aware of so many other sources that people can tap into. And I'm sure that informs your own life and things that you may need for yourself. Absolutely. It just sounds really dope. Absolutely. It's the social worker in me. And it's also National Social Work Month. So it's just all in alignment. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's the social work in me. I, I have to make sure that I have connections because I know that when your journey with me stops, that doesn't mean your journey overall is done. Um, but I still want you to feel cared for, nurtured and loved. And so I'm going to make sure you have all the resources or at least the connects to those resources so that you can continue to thrive once we're done, once our time is done. And that was the thing I was going to say that I love about this is literally there is somebody there with you the entire journey. And when I say the entire journey, I mean, from the moment you find find out that you are about to have a baby through the process of you having the baby and then after having the baby. A lot of times people hear like, oh, you have the baby and the process stops there. No, the journey is just now getting started and you need somebody to be there with you through that journey. And it is so amazing to have somebody with you that was there before the baby arrived. Because like you said, there are things that you can identify that you noticed beforehand that maybe family and friends didn't notice or you know they don't have the, the background to notice that you can notice that you can identify on the back end to make sure that we get back to normal selves. So I just, I love the the whole process thing because we don't get that as Black women. We don't have somebody backing us up an entire process. And, and, and in this case, we do. Yeah. And that's that's what holistic health is. Right. It's a continuity of care. It's about mind, body, soul, spirit, the whole person, physically, energetically, emotionally. And I always tell people birth work is spiritual work. It is sacred work. It's holy. Even, you know, this is you're carrying somebody and walking with them through the most vulnerable time in their life. A lot of times that comes with fear. It comes with uncertainty. It comes with doubt. It comes with questioning your body. Um, And it is uh, it is my pleasure, honestly, and my honor to help women actually see that you really can do anything. If you give birth to a baby, there is nothing that you can't do. And it's really all about, it's a mental game. One of the things I'm so proud of, majority of my clients, well, not even majority, all of my clients who have given birth vaginally, they've not pushed longer than 30 minutes. Why? Because it's a mental game, right? Birth is 70% mental, 30% physical. You're going to have birth. You're going to give birth to the baby. The baby's coming. It's going to come out of your body. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But can you get your mind to a space where you can control it during those contractions, during those ways? That's the work that I really get into because it's if I if I can get into your mind to help you overcome your mind and overcome your fears, you're going to have a good birth. You're going to give birth. Imani, as, as a man who wants to have kids one day, um, not now, 
But once I have kids one day, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sold. Like this, this is you know, as a man who wants to support my woman, my wife, who I'm with, my partner at that time, and maybe don't know how to necessarily support her. And I can admit intellectual ignorance. A lot, you know, a lot of men are intellectually ignorant about the woman's body. Yeah. And in that ignorance, how do we emotionally support them? Yeah. Something like this seems like intuitive, just like spiritually intuitive. Like, oh, my wife yeah. should have COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, um, in your work, what has been your experience working with women and their partners? The, the level of support or the level of maybe even pushback? It makes you feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, what I love is that when I do my consultations, I encourage my clients, please have your partner present. Um, so I work with all family dynamics. So it is uh, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever your preference is, whomever's going to be in that birth room. I want to meet them, too, because the, the the real deal still is if we don't have an energetic, if I can't connect with you, if it feels forced, I'm going to refer you out to somebody else who I feel may be a better fit for you. Um, but when it comes to my partners, um, I have to get in good with them. So, you know, if you can make a man laugh, usually you are right with him. So that's usually my MO. I'm going to cut up. I'm going to make it fun. I'm going to educate you. Um, but I'm going to also make sure that you feel empowered to advocate for your partner in the event that something comes up. So for an example, I had a client uh, recently, uh, the hospital OB tech, he made a really bad joke and said, oh, we threw your placenta away. And I was just like, um, no, that's not what we were supposed to do. And the dad was like, I actually need to speak to the hospitalist or somebody because that's actually not okay. And I was like, look at you, look at you, like you're doing the things. So the number one thing that I always encourage partners to do, or the number one thing I like to let them know is that I'm not here to replace you. I'm here to reinforce the connection you already have with your partner. So, because what I know is, is that your touch is going to do something different than my touch is because y'all in love, y'all created this baby and your touch is going to make oxytocin flow a little bit faster than my touch would. Right. So we're a tag teaming. If you're providing touch, okay, cool. I'm making sure everything is how it's supposed to be. I'm setting the aesthetic. I'm affirming. Your arms get tired, then tag me and coach. I got you. I'll do the touch. You do the affirmations. Uh, we switch out. When baby is born, I always check in with my dads or other partners. And I'm like, so when the baby's born, do you want me to go over here by the baby to make sure they're doing what, you're supposed, what they're supposed to do? Or do you want me to stay by your partner and to make sure they're doing all right? Nine times out of 10, the partners are like, no, I'm going to stay by my person because I just met this kid and I get it. So make sure they're doing all right with the baby, but I got to make sure my lady is okay. And that's fine. We come up with plans on how to contact family members, let people know what's going on. Listen, it's a, it's a family affair. So I'm here to do little mom for sure, but the partner is heavily involved because everything I do, I'm going to make sure that you're able to do as well. Dancing crew, trip for two, nailed the final interview. Game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid, give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. New COVID-19 boosters designed for recent Omicron variants are now available. Learn about eligibility and schedule a free updated booster today at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. 
I love the education piece on this because a lot of men don't know, kind of like what Britt was saying, a lot of men don't know um, the ABCs of a woman, a woman giving birth or even For pregnancy. Sure. So the fact that you can educate them on that and they can be advocates for me and my body when I necessarily don't really know when I'm frazzled. It, that's so that's that's so amazing. I love it. Yeah. And it's so necessary, too, because who's trying to talk to the people at the hospital and you're in the middle of having a contraction? Not me. Great. So you need to tap in, buddy. Imani's on the way, but you need to know what to tell these folks. OK, get it together, sir. Get it together. Get, it together. get them in order. Yes. <laughs> no, I absolutely love it. If somebody, and you mentioned this a second ago, you were saying when you were doing your consultations, you know, you like to make sure that you, um, there's a vibe between you and your clients. Um, if somebody is um, considering getting a doula or potentially a midwife, um, what exactly should I be looking out for or thinking of, or, you know, what are those things that I need to consider um, if I'm looking to get into having um, the support system with me? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, there are a lot of like resources online that I refer people to. I actually include like a questions to ask your doula guide um, on my respond emails. Um, and it's the same questions that I would ask my midwife. Is it important to you that this person is certified? Is it important to you that this person is vaccinated? Is it important to you that they're not vaccinated? Um, do you want them to have certain religious beliefs? Are there certain things that you want from your doula? Um, and does that person provide it for for you? Is that outlined in their services? Is this person's services um, in alignment with what your partner sees happening for your birth? Um, and also, too, uh, with regards to midwifery, making the decision, am I okay with doing traditional midwifery? Am I okay with a CNM? Am I okay with a CPM? What setting do I want to give birth in? Is it at the hospital? Is it at a birth center? Is it at um, home? All of those things, it's a lot of things to consider, but those would be number one things. How long you've been a doula? How long you've been a midwife? What brought you to this space? And how can you help me? Those are your main questions. You mentioned the hospital. Are hospitals, in your experience, welcoming to doulas and midwives? Mm, depends on the hospital system. Mm -hmm. Depends on yep. the system. There it depends go. on the hospital system. So uh, we have a hospital system down in the Lanta metropolitan area. Everybody in the ATL metropolitan area knows exactly what hospital system this is. That is just like hardcore negative ghost rider. We're not doing it uh -uh. Um, and have very, very strict uh, protocols against doulas. Um, but I still support my clients there and I still advocate for them there. Because those are the spaces, the ones that are that push back against us, those are the spaces I want to be in. Because I need you to see how great I am and what I do with my clients. So that here's you can my see thing. Yeah, I know. You know I just, <laughs> if I'm paying you, as yeah. if, I'm, if I'm going into your hospital and I'm paying you to help me have this child, shouldn't I be able to bring whoever I want to bring up in this room? Because I'm paying for this room. I'm paying for you to do this. Listen, COVID did a number. So COVID allowed certain hospital systems to restrict who's in the room. So before you could have your mom and them and your cousin and everybody in the room with you and your doula. Um, <laughs> but now COVID has really done a number on that. So there was a time where we weren't able to go into the hospitals. There was only one hospital system in Atlanta that allowed doulas to come throughout the entire 
time for COVID. Um, and that was like that for a lot of places um, across the nation. Um, and now things are slowly opening back up for doulas, but they still have these restrictions in place and blanketing, blanketing it as COVID policy, right? Um, even though there's been a downward tick of numbers of deaths of things of that nature, right? Um, so some hospital systems that make you sign a waiver saying you won't touch your client, you won't help them go to the bathroom, you won't do this, you won't do that. Other hospital systems are like, oh, please make sure you have a doula. Here's a list of them, right? So I try to do my due diligence and let my clients know uh, beforehand, hey, if you're going into a hospital that doesn't like doulas per se, do you really feel like they're going to listen to what you truly want for your birth? If it's an insurance thing, fine, since we're going to rock it out, we're going to go, we're going to do it. But I always do my due diligence, say there are other options out here. And see, I got a low key issue with that because um, even with the insurance, and this is why, and this is why we struggle with, and I say we as a people, we struggle with uh, with healthcare in general because I got to go to this hospital because of this. This is what my insurance, this is the only thing that it'll take care of. Birth is a, it, it's a, it's a thing that happens to women. Like it should just be a natural, it don't matter what hospital you go to, we going to cover it because this ain't one of them one-off things. Yeah. I just, You're right. Oh, it's that, frustrating. That right just, yes. It's frustrating. It, and yeah. that's why we have people on the fight um, in person. We have people on policy. We have people um, working at the Capitol, especially in Georgia, you know, legitimizing CPMs because the work that they do, they're trained. They're just home birth specific. So let them do the work because they are doing it and people are surviving and thriving. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it is. It can be frustrating and disheartening, um, but it also kind of continues to light the fire that I have to continue to do this work because it's just kind of like, I'm not going to stop until all y'all feel me or understand that like we're not going anywhere. We're going to make sure that number one, we're giving birth in the manner in which we want to, but number two, we're surviving and able to raise our children and see them grow. The gospel. <laughs> there it is. True. <laughs> we do these things called what's your 365 Imani um, something quick to leave the listeners with mm -hmm. as a doula as a black doula a black woman what's something you would like to leave the 365ers with Ooh. take your time sis take your time for someone who may be considering getting a doula who didn't know about what a doula was What's something to leave with them about your profession, the history, all anything? Yeah, I would leave the listeners with um, be confident in your voice and listen to your intuition. If it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Um, the gut doesn't lie. So that's something I always tell my clients, even when they're having their appointments with their doctors and things and they're being told things that don't feel right in their spirit or don't feel good in their spirit trust your intuition and trust your gut um, because there's a reason if you feel alarmed your body is letting you know that for a reason so trust yourself you're the expert on you um 
And yeah, don't let nobody tell you anything different. Uh, you're not crazy for pushing back. You're not being difficult for asking questions. You are in charge of your body. Um, so exert that and be confident in that uh, and take control of your experience. I love that so much. Uh, Western 365, I think it's been a, a string, a pattern we've been having a lot of different conversations. Be an advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, would have to Absolutely. completely agree. You have to be an advocate for yourself because nobody else is going to do it the way you do it. Um, Imani, I love that you said that. I think I may have said that, what, like two weeks, two, three weeks ago? Um, so the fact that it, it's popped up again is really just a, a reassuring thing. Um, and and I think the 365ers can say it's just confirmation that, yeah, you have to be an advocate for yourself. Um, Imani, I know you mentioned you are here in Georgia, uh, but if you know, people want to reach out to you. They want to connect with you. Um, where can they do that at? Yes, I love interacting with people online. So I am on Instagram at Rebirth Wellness. So that's R-E-B-Y-R-T-H Wellness. Um, also on Facebook at Rebirth Wellness website, rebirthwellness.com. Um, we are working on a new project called Birth Fear Free. So that will be coming soon. Uh, and I offer my services in the Atlanta metropolitan. I'm actually servicing my final client here in Savannah, um, because I'm a newlywed. So my husband wants me home. So, <laughs> uh, I serve Atlanta in person and virtually everywhere else. So that is where you can find me. 365ers tap into Imani. And I, I and I feel like it's also important for me to ask you this. I know you mentioned the National Black Doulas Association as a place yes. where people can go and get information. Um, are there any other resources that you give the 365ers um, if they're interested in learning more about uh, doulas and, and midwives? Yeah, I would definitely, again, stress the National Black Doulas Association. So that's um, blackdoulas.org. Also, too, um, Sister Midwife, Sister Midwife Productions. That's also a good space to learn about uh, Black Doulas and Midwives, Sister Song. Um, the Hello 7 Foundation is a new and upcoming foundation. I had a client that received a grant for, it's specifically for Black women to get a night nurse, a doula, a midwife, whatever they need the money for. So the Hello 7 Foundation, which was founded by the Hello 7 Company's founder, Rachel Rogers, they um, do a lot about Black maternal mental health as well as health in general. And then um, also just as a mental health tidbit, there is also the National Maternal Mental Health Hotline that is being funded right now by HRSA. So for those suffering with PPD, postpartum depression, any postpartum um, perinatal mental health disorder, they can reach out to that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Imani. This was a great conversation. Um, it's Women's History Month, and we're doing it for Black women all month long. Okay, we about Period. to we're taking we're taking it back. Okay, we're taking everything back. So, um, so so thankful that you were able to, to join a day and really give the information that needed to be given when it came when it comes to um, the historical um, blackness. Okay of uh, midwives and doulas. Thank you so much. 365ers, as always, um, you know, if there's anything you want us to address, talk about, discuss, um, you can find us on Instagram at blackhealth365. Again, that's blackhealth365. Slide in them DMs, okay? Slide in them DMs. We here to help you, okay? We your family, familia, 
Okay. 365ers, um, this has been a great conversation. I'm sad that it's over. I feel like we may have to do a part two. I did say that. Um, anywho, uh, <laughs> 365ers, have a great day and we will chat with you later. Adios. Peace, namaste, and love, y'all. Take it easy. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.